What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am here with Danny Kelly. I am not here with Craig Krolbeck because Craig doesn't have his priorities straight. He chose family over football. It's like ridiculous. DK, um, we're going to do this yeah. without him. Frankly, we never needed him. I mean, I'm going to miss Craig a little bit, but he got to have fun today. Go to the Rams game. The Rams won. Um, he's Sean McVay's get back guy. So, you know, what? really upset that we lost Craig on this podcast, but he's doing, he's doing really important work yeah, over there. This is in Craig's LA, calling. And, um, so that's fine. He's, he's the get back guy. It's so, you know, what? really, we're really proud of you, Craig. Um, congrats on moving on to a new opportunity. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, all right. Week seven's in the books. Well, Monday night football, right? It's always the thing on this episode right. still to come, whatever the Sunday games are over without further ado by apocalypse in the river mirror. If I can say rear view. It's late at night. I can't speak through DK, who's your biggest winner of week seven? Oh, man. We got through the bipocalypse. Uh, My biggest winner is AJ Brown. Back from the dead for the Titans. Basically, well, back from what's close to death. Back from um, the Chipotle and food poisoning situation. Yeah. Um, Food poisoning is such a polite term for what it is. Yeah, he had the shits for the last two weeks. Um, (laughs) He actually said in a a press conference earlier this week that he, he couldn't keep anything down. We don't need to dwell on that for too much. Because he looked great out there. No, but I do want to see that on the injury report. Just like, <laughs> oh, like, like, yeah, it's like Julio Jones, hamstring, AJ Brown, the shits. Yeah. Um, anyway, nine targets, eight catches, 133 yards, one touchdown for the Titans this week. Uh, by the way, the Titans dominated the Chiefs, which was, I mean, I was expecting it to be a good high-scoring game and the Titans to stay in it, but I did not expect them to hold the Chiefs to three points. Um, that's neither here nor there. Dude, Mo Salah had three points for Liverpool today. <laughs> I just think it's bizarre. Um, but really, to the point, AJ Brown. This is exactly what we thought he was going to be at the beginning of the season. This is what he looked. This is how he looked in the second half of last year. And actually, going back to last year, I, I kind of had forgotten about this. But after a slow start, AJ Brown kind of turned it on um, from week eight on. And from week eight on, so basically the second half of the season, he finished as the wide receiver seven in PPR. Um, and I feel like that's kind of like the range that's back on the board for this guy. He's so good. He's clearly the number one. Um, 
it doesn't look, at least not the way that it's constructed now or not the way that Julio Jones is playing now, that it's going to be like Julio is taking a lot of targets away from A.J. Brown. He's clearly the alpha in this offense. Um, on those crossing routes, like play action, crossing route, they get him open, they get him in space, he gets to pick up lots of yards after the catch. Um, it feels like the Titans are sort sort of starting to find themselves, like figure out their identity. Um, their passing game has certainly been more explosive lately. And yeah, the post Chipotle bump for AJ Brown going into the second half of the season. It's just like finally this has arrived. Uh, I feel like AJ Brown. Did I tell you that I had Chipotle the same day AJ Brown announced that Chipotle gave to him? Like I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I was like eating Chipotle while I found out that the thing that gave it to him was Chipotle. And I put the half, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. And I actually worked up the courage to go back to Chipotle today because of his It's like no safer time to eat at Chipotle than right now, probably. You're right. Yeah, they probably deal with it. Anyway, <laughs> I just that was quite the moment to realize that I was eating it. So anyway, that was, didn't finish that bowl. Anyway, so we, were, yeah, AJ Brown. we were kind of off on AJ Brown for a while. Are you back in the, on the AJ Brown train now, Heifetz? I am on back in on AJ Brown and on Chipotle, and the bilingual okay. is probably over. Sweet. My, uh, my winner for this qu- week. Hold on. Before we move on real quick, his his target rates, I saw this from JJ Zacharyson, target rates the last three weeks, 28% in week five, 36% in week six, 33% in week seven. Those are elite, elite numbers. Uh, really, really promising going forward for A.J. Brown. Okay, continue. Well, that's kind of what we thought would happen for A.J. Brown before they traded for Julio Jones. Yes. Yeah, because there was a moment there, or at least like a week or so, or what, how many ever days it was, where we thought A.J. Brown has a real chance to be like the wide receiver one this season, you know? Um, and so far, it just doesn't really look like Julio is going to um, be that big of a hindrance. I don't think he's A.J. Brown's going to be like the wide receiver one in the second half of the season or anything like that. But I think top 10 is certainly within the realm of possibility. I like that in like real life football, it's like really cool that Julio and A.J. Brown play together. And in fantasy, it's like, you know, Julio, that like guy is like a hindrance. He's just such a hindrance, <laughs> that Julio Jones. Right. right. Okay. My winner this week is the generational rookie talents. Yes. Uh, Jamar Chase outfits. Unbelievable week for these two. Chase... Jamar Chase had eight catches for 201 yards and a touchdown. 201 yards. He's the second yeah. best receiver in fantasy this week. He's the third best receiver in fantasy this season. He's and the this, wide receiver three right now? I believe so. It's just wow. Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup are ahead of him. And That's incredible. The stat that you're going to hear everywhere, but like it's worth saying everywhere, is that Jamar Chase has the most receiving yards through seven games for any player ever. By like a lot. It's By like, like not lot. even close. It's not even close. Anquan Bolden, I think, is second. Um, yeah, I mean, this is great to see starting with chase, uh, you know, it's, it, it, we had so many discussions, we had so many arguments at around the time of the draft draft, like, oh, they should take uh Penny Sewell because it helps their offensive line. They can have whoever they want down there catching passes. As long as Joe Burrows has the time to throw blah, blah, blah. Like that was the argument. Um, and then conversely, it was like, people were like, oh, if he, if Joe Burrow doesn't have any time to throw, it doesn't matter how good chase is you know, down there. I think we're kind of starting to see like Chase changed this offense. He transformed this offense. Well, this, the, the comparison you kept making was that it's funny. The two comparisons that were made to Jamar Chase were Larry Fitzgerald. You said he was like little Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. And the other one was that Daniel Jeremiah kept saying that Jamar Chase was like Anquan Bolden a little bit faster, mm. which is interesting because Fitzgerald and Bolden played together for a long time. were incredible. But I think the, the Larry Fitzgerald obviously was like this great, big contested catch guy. And Chase can do that. But I think it's forgotten that like when Larry Fitz was younger, he was like, he was a yak guy. Like Larry Fitzgerald was a yards after the catch. He could take slants far. He did that in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. against the Steelers. 
that's what I see from Chase right now. Like he is that he's like the mix between Bolden and Fitzgerald. And yeah. he just makes something happen every single week. It is unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. He is. I think the yak thing is important. Like that was a big part of this game. In fact, like the one, I think the biggest play in this game was he caught like, it was like a third and short. He caught a slant, ran across the middle field. It was like four it was like, guys like a, gave 50% effort to tackle him. And he <laughs> gave 250% like effort. Move. He like he like basically jump stopped and reverse pivoted and then ran up the field and like you know what it looked like you know that's the opening yeah. scene of Baby Driver when he goes through the alley that was Jamar Chase like get <laughs> yeah. breaking for the end zone I was like I don't really yeah, know how yeah. you got it but now you're on the highway the- so yeah yeah I, I completely agree with Chase like he, so the elite athletes the athlete athleticism is showing up the ball skills he's really good uh, at the catch point like you mentioned he's good down the sideline like um, I don't have the stat in front of me but Joe Burrow has like. X amount of 20 plus yard touchdowns this season when he had like zero last year. So he, he, I think it's like four or five this year or three or three or four. And they're all to Jamar Chase. So yeah, the bottom line, like to round it all out, Jamar Chase has transformed this offense. He had, he is looking to me like Stefan Diggs looked last year for Josh Allen in, in the sense that he has, he's the go-to guy. He's the crunch time playmaker. He is the like unstoppable force that really helped, Josh Allen take this massive leap in year three or whatever it was last year. Joe Burrow, we're starting to see that already um, with his number one target from college in um, in Jamar Chase. Can you imagine and going back? And I just keep coming back to this: Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson on the same team. Like, you no, know, no wonder they went. <laughs> that is just I mean, look insane. what happened to Ed Orgeron now that they don't play together. Ed O was like literally fired like twenty months later because they yeah. didn't have Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. The last thing on the Justin Jefferson, well, the uh, Jamar Chase thing is. Remember two months ago when we were all freaking out about um, Jamar Chase couldn't catch anything in training camp, which was not like mm-hmm. one overblown day or one overblown game. Like there was a three week period where he really was dropping like five balls at every practice. Yes. It, like it, it wasn't made up. It was happening. And we were all like, we had no concerns about his long term thing, but I was concerned about his current season. And then the other receiver in the first round, Kadarius Tony, who I was very upset <laughs> right. with because the coach basically pissed off the coaches in four different ways, literally practiced without a shoe for his first practice with the giants. Cause he had a marketing deal gone wrong. And I'm, and now those are pretty easily the most, I mean, I guess Rondell Moore too, but like Kadarius Tony and Jamar chase are the most electric rookie receivers immediately making impacts. And it's like the new Peyton Manning interception record where you're just going to point to and be like, don't worry about August. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they're talented enough. Trust the, as DK, don't to worry trust about the September. Tape. Don't even worry about September. If you go back to last year, if you remember, uh, BC Johnson was starting ahead of Justin Jefferson last year for like two or three weeks. When we talk about like, the memento tattoos, the things we're going to get <laughs> tattooed on us for next season, yeah, it's going to be the don't worry about the rookie receivers headlines in August. Like, just forget yes. them. 100%. Okay. 100%. But I don't want to uh, short Kyle Pitts because when correct. I say I the winner is generational rookies, Jamar mm-hmm. Chase is just one of them. The other guy is Kyle Pitts who had merely seven catches for 163 yards today. Jesus. So the stat that's getting buried because Jamar Chase has the most receiving yards ever for any player through his first seven games. The stat that gets buried is that Kyle Pitts has the most receiving yards ever for a tight end through six games. He's literally like ahead of Mike Ditka was the last person who had more than him. Or I think there's a whole list where Mike Ditka has the whole season. It's the last receiver. Sorry, Mike Ditka is the last tight end who had a thousand yards in a season. But Kyle Pitts is on pace for the most ever through six games. He actually, Kyle Pitts, already has the most receiving yards for a tight end through seven games, even though he's only played six. Which is so <laughs> incredible crazy. to me 
Because again, the tightrope that we had to walk here with Cal Pitts, he was touted as the best tight end prospect ever, or at least in like four or five decades. He was drafted in the top 50, top 60 in fantasy this season, which basically meant if Kyle Pitts was going to return his draft day value, he had to be the best rookie tight end of all time, full stop. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it. Yeah. That's inc- that is an incredible <laughs> level of hype to immediately live up to. This is, it's kind of crazy. So like you said, what you said, most yards by a rookie tight end through six games, it's Kyle Pitts. And second is Mike Dicka. And can we no, sorry, reiterate? I have that wrong. It's not through six. Mike Dicka has the record for rookie yards. I, sorry, I think Jordan Reed actually might be second. So I don't have that list in front of me. But the list, the only thousand yard rookie tight end season is Mike Dicka. So he's, he was like six, 60 years ago. It was yeah. So ridiculous. That's, all, those, all those records are like not from a long time ago. You never hear about passing records or receiving records from 50 yeah. years ago. That's how hard it is for tight ends. To I just adjust. think, yes. The point is, he he is doing generational things so far. He looks like the generational talent we thought he would be. He was run, he was running out like routes against like really good corner. I think he he beat um, Xavier Howard on a one on one route down the field. Like he is doing incredible, incredible things. It's really, really good, by the way, to see that my, uh, Matt Ryan has looked better over the last few weeks. Like this offense, just in general, looks much more competent. I don't know what. You know, maybe it's just the fact that they have a new play caller coming in, trying to figure things out, iron things out, you know, get on the same page. It took Matt Ryan a full season uh, working with Shanahan before he turned in his MVP season the second year he was with Shanahan. So, like, maybe just this Arthur Smith. It just took him a minute to get going. But it's really promising that over the last few games, Pitts is, like, the number one guy in this offense, or or 1B to Calvin Ridley, Um and yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think his pace right now for Kyle Pitts is 75 catches, 1,143 yards, two touchdowns because he's only scored one touchdown this season. Um, so that'll come in punches or not, who knows. But um, I mean, he's on pace for over a thousand yards. This is a crazy thing. Incredible. So yeah. yeah. It, 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 and again, like the term generational prospect is really overused, but again, he actually is the best tight end. Yeah, prospect in I mean, generation. I think it's I think it's very safe to say that Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts have both lived up to the hype. Yeah, so far. unbelievable. Okay, um, any other winners? I want to throw a couple a couple extra guys in this bonus uh, section since uh, since Craig isn't here. Damian Harris for the Patriots has come on really strong over the last couple of weeks. Has two straight 100 yard games. Um, he is the RB two this week pending Monday Night Football, and like crucially, he looks really good. Like he he just looks like he's shot out of a cannon when he's running downhill. I don't know if there's anybody in the NFL right now who looks faster running downhill in the first like two or three steps. Like when he gets the ball, he's just like gone. Well, as Bill would say, um, the thinking man's Nick Chubb. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but man, I got to say, you know, cause I was sort of like on our hot take episode from before the season, I was a bit of a hater, but Damian Harris looks really great. He's incredible um, so far. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's definitely one to watch the rest of the season. He's it's, it's his backfield. You know what I mean? Like, Ramondre Stevenson was inactive again. JJ Taylor's basically his um, his backup. No, they check the memento tattoos. No Patriots running back ever has the backfield. Check the tattoos, DK. <laughs> sure, that's, that's why we get him tattooed. I'll, I'll be careful. Um, and then the second guy I wanted to mention who looked really, really good is Khalil Herbert for the Bears, who somehow put up a hundred yards against the Buccaneers in a thirty-eight to three loss or whatever it was. Like th- it just doesn't make any sense. Like the the stat line that he had, I guess it does because there was a lot of garbage time, but still. Um, the whole just, game was good. This is the first game I've ever watched where I felt like the second quarter was garbage time. <laughs> Dude, it was like the first quarter was garbage time. Did you see uh, okay, we'll talk the, about- the funniest win probability graph I've ever seen other than like that didn't involve the Atlanta Falcons was today. Because you know the win probability graphs, it's like there's a center line and it shoots up to the top for one team or back, you know, and whichever team's going to win, like the line ends up back to them. 
The win probability graph for this Bears Bucks game was just the Bucks in the entire bottom. It was just red. Like literally, they took the yeah. 99% win probability five minutes into the game. In the entire game, it just stayed. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Justin Fields a little later in the show, but um, just a just an ass kicking on all levels by the Buccaneers. But I thought Cleo Herbert was like a silver lining. I thought he looked pretty solid. Um, it's going to be very interesting. The reason I bring it up is I do think it'll be interesting once David Montgomery is healthy enough to come back and play. Um, I'm not saying I don't I don't think that Khalil Herbert is going to be the starter. However, I do think there is a solid argument that he deserves to, to be like a bigger part of the rotation once Montgomery is back. And part of the reason Montgomery is so valuable in fantasy is because he just gets like all the workload. So that kind of worries me a little bit for Montgomery. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Well, going do you want to dip but... into losers real quick? We're talking about Justin Fields and the Bears here. Sure. Why not? I mean, let's just, I mean, it's Sunday night. It, I mean, it's 1150 Eastern time. I'm doing this. Do you think Matt Nagy is the Bears coach in two days? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. I think, I mean, this is, this is one of the least competitive games from an, from a team that's trying to be competitive. Like the Houston Texans probably played worse against the Bills a couple weeks ago, but like from the Bears are three and three, like they should not be giving up on the division. This is one of the least competitive games I've seen in a while. And it's not yeah, like, like yeah. look, the, the, the Bucks got crushed by the Saints last year. Uh, almost the same score and won the Super Bowl. But this isn't that. This is a team that just showed up unprepared for what looks like the fourth week in a row with this quarterback. It's like they bought a Ferrari. It's like they bought a stick shift Ferrari and they haven't tried to learn stick shift yet. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it, I don't want to like oversell what Justin Fields is capable of because he just really didn't look very good in this game either. Like everything is too slow for him. Um, but it's a real problem that he has a terrible offensive line that can't protect him on the edges. He had, uh, I believe he had two fumbles in the pocket or three. I can't remember. Um, a couple of picks. He had five turnovers total, no touchdowns. Well, the Bucks defense just seemed like they were like, let me get this straight. They have a quarterback who holds onto the ball for a while to try to look for deep shots. And we're just going to get to blitz this despicable offensive line. And it's like Jason Pierre, Paul and Shaq Barrett saw this as the money-making days. We're going to three sacks yeah. a piece. These sacks, and like they yeah. were just batting for the ball. They even tried to sack fields. They were just hitting his arm. Yeah. The sacks came fast too. It wasn't like, I, I didn't feel like Justin Fields in, in most cases. I mean, there's certainly a few snaps where he was holding the ball too long, but a lot of the times it was just like, he dropped back and the pressure arrived as he was going to like throw or whatever. And so, um, yeah, it was it was a nightmare game really for for Justin Fields. If it were like a movie, if it were like a mob movie and things were disrupted that quick, you'd be like, "Someone tipped us off." <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? It Seriously. was like there was like there's a rat. Um, oh, man, but uh, yeah, so I don't know like if Nagy is going to get fired, but the offensive line's not good enough. I don't think the skill players at, at the receiver positions are good enough. Like Allen Robinson, who's normally extremely good, hasn't even really looked that good this season. Um, and I don't know if Dar- Darnell Mooney's not like a number one type player. He's a good player, but he's not a, a I number mean, one. We're just stepping on a bunch of categories. Look what happens when Craig leaves. We just like just step all of the categories. But Allen Robinson's like that for the third week in a row. Like I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like Allen Robinson. Like I mean, he had two catches for 16 yards. So today. actually, what he had? Hi, Fitz. We're, let's just skip ahead. We're not doing losers. We're doing the dad award, which is we're not mad. We're disappointed. Justin Fields. I'm not mad, but I am disappointed with your performance. That was actually what I had written down. You're going to talk about Allen Robinson, but just to wrap up Justin Fields, like the reason I'm not mad, Justin and the Bears, is basically I still think he has a bright future. I think, like generally speaking, he's flashed some very exciting things in his rookie season so far. However, I envisioned 
prior to the year, like a Jalen Hurts style player in fantasy who is going to run a lot. You're going to have probably pretty crappy passing here and there. You're going to have some turnovers, but you're always good for solid fantasy production because you're running. You have that speed. You have that ability to kind of change the defense with your legs. That's just not happening. Like Justin Fields, eight rushes for 38 yards today, and I don't know if any of them were designed runs. Like I think most of them were scrambles. I mean, is it fair to say that basically Matt Nagy designed a more mobile offense for Mitchell Trubisky than he has for Justin Fields? Yeah, it's bizarre. And I think maybe some of it is due to Fields just waiting too long to take off, which is weird. It's like an ass-backwards thing to say. Like, But norm- that's what people criticize for quarterbacks for. I know, like, that's what I'm they, saying. They take off quickly, it's like, oh, they can't process. Ooh. I know, and that's what I'm saying. Is It's an ass-backwards thing to say, typically. Um, but I mean, with this offense, with the way that it's going, with the lack of talent it has in the passing game. And, and by the way, like his receivers were dropping passes all over the field today. Like several key third downs, they dropped passes. Um, just nothing is working in this offense. So I think at the end of the day, like Justin Fields, I'm still confident he he will have a good career in the NFL. I do not know if it's going to happen at all this year and specifically with this coaching staff and with this like skill group. So, um, I'm not mad. I'm just, I'm just disappointed how it all has worked out for, for the bears. The last note I have to make on fields is Adam, Adam Haji, who's the bears insider for uh, NBC Chicago. Uh, tweeted earlier today that the I feel like I'm being inducted by aliens. Can you hear that crazy sound outside my house? <laughs> no, I can't. Did you hear that? Oh my! I I literally thought I was being like transported to another universe. <laughs> okay, whatever. Justin Fields. Maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe that's a sign from the universe. Adam Haji said that Justin Fields quick snapped the ball on his first interception because in his headset. The Bucks had twelve. The, the, he was told the Bucks had twelve players on the field, mm-hmm. and they did not. And I he thought it was that, a free yeah. play. And that's happened Which I two guess weeks this in happened a row. Several times this season. Yeah, yeah. Like, like multiple times. Justin Fields has been told, "You, they're like this is a free play. Twelve players on the field, and then it was not." It's so, just I mean, Keystone Cops, dude. The, the, incredible. The Bears' offense is broken, um, and I still think that they're not getting. They're leaving too much meat on the bones with what they could be doing with Fields. I acknowledge 100% that Fields has not been good. Like, I get that. I understand that. I And, you know, you can't put all the blame on the coaching staff. However, I just think he's being, he, he's continuing to be put in a bad situation, but put in a situation to fail. So, um, yeah, this is just really disappointing this season. Uh, and I don't know if it's going to get any better. I, at this point, I think you can drop Justin Fields, and I think you can actually drop the person that you're going to talk about right now. You think you can drop Allen Robinson? Yeah, I do. I would say, I'll say this about Allen Robinson. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I will say that if any, for the third week in a row, it feels like if anyone else was doing Allen Robinson were doing, it would be, not be like, should you cut them? It'd be like, why would you pick them up? Right. I, are you going to start him going forward? No, you're not starting. And him. You're no, there's no way in hell anyone's going to trade for him. Probably not. He's just a roster clogger at this point. He's just clogging it's, up the it's spot. It's basically, are you roster. willing to put him in the sunk cost category? Like, are you willing to be like, yep, just, just whiff there? I think so. I think so. Um, well, I, I yeah. Let, let, let's confirm on the waiver show. Let's give people, okay. a, let's not be prisoners sleep for the moment, on it. But. Let's sleep on it. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you 
covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com Eligible items only, exclusion supply. Let's get a more positive note here. Sure. Usually this week, usually on Sundays we do weird flex, but okay. We, we're blowing it out this week. It's the weird flex, but okay. It's the Bipocalypse edition, streaming superheroes. This was the next man up week. It was like, you know what? We all did what we had to do to get through the week. You know what? It's like the last year and a half in a nutshell. Everyone just you did what you had to do to, right. to, to get through it all. And there were some fringe guys that had to step in. And there's some fringe guys stepped up. DK, who was your fringe guy that stepped up this week? So I'm calling him the new Robert Tanyan, CJ Uzoma for the Bengals. Uh, he's been very hit or miss. And it, it, this is the exact type of guy. And the reason I call him the Robert Tanyan is last year, it took us about eight weeks to figure out that he needed to be in our starting lineup every week because for the first however many weeks, we were just like, look, this production can't keep coming. He's just touched like a touchdown every year. One out of every six catches can't be a touchdown. And right. then eventually it's like, I think it just will be Actually, that maybe way. it can. Uh, uh, with or sorry, with Uzoma this year, he has five touchdowns in his last four games. He's not getting the the type of target rate that you want that that would feel repeatable or like like reliable. Um, however, he's t- like proving to be a pretty good playmaker. Like he's not just like catching these easy passes and waltzing into the end zone. He's like making guys miss, uh, running after the catch, getting touchdowns, like. Beast moding people, things like that. Well, I think he buried the lead. He was the number one tight end this week, ahead of Kyle Pitts. Oh wow! I didn't. I don't even know if I realized that. Yeah, he was three, the number one tight end this week. Number the tight end CJ number one Uzoma. going into Monday. Uh, he had three catches for ninety-one yards and two touchdowns. Um, the thing I do like about him, and that makes him an interesting like flex type guy going forward. If you're like in these types of situations where your buys are really screwing you over, is this offense, I think I'm having more confidence in. And Joe Burrow, I have more confidence in. They clearly have a connection. So um, he would not be like an every week starter to me, kind of like I, f- I looked at Robert Tanyan last year. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be like a reliable guy, but like the dude just keeps making plays. Yeah, CJ is almost up there. My, my big winner, this fits in with what you're saying. My big winner for like the weird flex, but okay. It's just national tight end day. <laughs> Dude, they decided they just a year or two ago. They're like, you know what? Today's just week, se- week seven, just national tight end day. And no one knows. And then they just float this hashtag out. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And it just so happens that national tight end day was when Darren Waller come, turns out he just like hurt his ankle on Friday at practice. And it's just questionable in the middle of the day. And everyone's freaking out because Dawson Knox already out. Dalton Schultz is on by and they need, and now Darren Waller's hurt. Now everyone needs a streamer. It turns out. Most of the streaming options for National Tight End Day were good. <laughs> right. CJ Uzoma, as you mentioned, number one tight end. Foster Moreau, shout out Peter Schrager. Mm-hmm. In, the backup tight end for the Raiders in relief of Waller has 60 yards and a touchdown. Yep. Foster Moreau, of all people, was the tight end for this week. Robert Tunyon, as you mentioned, had 60 yards and a score. Zach Ertz had 70 yards and a score. Mo Ali Cox, even. Mo Ali Cox for the Colts Love had 25 it. yards and a touchdown. Like all the tight end options that people were kind of dancing around as a Darren Waller replacement, all of them mostly worked. So there you go. Congrats to National Tight End Day. Way to, way to, way, way to step up. 
It did. It did like really help fill out some rosters, uh, you know, and so, like just so many terrible rosters, like setting your lineups this week. And so um, some of these guys that I had no confidence in, like scoring points, actually did score points. Also, want to give a shout out to Darnus Johnson from Thursday Night Football, who just looked yes. amazing um, and came through for a lot of people, you know, who were missing Chubb um, and Kareem Hunt this week. So, yeah, um, I don't know. Did you feel like Bipocalypse was as bad as we thought it was going to be, or do you think it was worse? Or did you think it was better? Well, let's just get to Biggest Loser. The Biggest Loser is all of us for having <laughs> to deal with the bipocalypse yeah, yeah. and having to start the people who did not go off like the CG was almost like just dealing with this week was awful. And then two, watching these games was awful. There's some ugly ones. Bill Simmons used to say that there are apple picking weeks. Like there are just some games that are there's some Sundays going to be so bad. Like it's the take your family apple picking. This was the apple picking week. And the people who sat on their couch all day, like us and watched all these games, we are the losers. Because the Sunday, I, I think actually Sunday football includes, there were 11 games today. One of them was decided, was decided by one possession. One <laughs> one possession game out of 11. Yeah. And it was Dolphins, it was freaking Dolphins Falcons, which was yeah. like the least interesting game of the day. Yeah, it was crazy. The Bengals dominated the Ravens. Uh, Chiefs, got dominated by the Titans. Giants dominated the Panthers. There was just so many ugly games. Cardinals dominated the Texans. I guess the most interesting game was that the Lions-Rams game was even competitive, yes. which yes. in itself is some sort of Craig Horlbeck curse. The <laughs> fact that Craig was at the Rams game and the Rams almost lost is yeah. itself kind of like a curse. And the Lions then, pulled out all the stops in that game, too. I love that. Um, I had a parlay. So I at the last second, my friend and I, like 12.55 before the game start, I put down like 10 bucks on a parlay for the Texans, the Lions, and the Bears to all win outright. <laughs> yeah. And the parlay, it was like 10 bucks and it would win like $6,000. I mentioned it on Friday. But like yeah. the odds actually went up from the time that I mentioned it was like 10 bucks to win 6000 I was like, you can't get 600 to one odds that often on three outcomes. So when the Lions started and took that lead, you had a glimmer of hope. And then the Texans were up to nothing. I was like, kind of like, wow. I, and then, of course, obviously, the Bears was literally never close <laughs> yeah, yeah. and all three teams lost. But neither here nor there. I had a really fun 25 minutes. Anyway, uh, I think all of us lost. Yeah, I think so. And uh, you mentioned the, the Falcons uh, Dolphins game, which is my loser of the week this week. And I'm taking this one for you, Heifetz, because I know you didn't want to bring it up probably. We already burned him, so it's not really that big of a deal. But Mike Davis. For the Falcons. Mike Davis is, is... is What's happening there? I um, I wouldn't take... I, I would take the L, but I, I, I'm not strong enough. It's too big. <laughs> Funk I need Davis. To lift more. <laughs> Smooth Jazz Davis. Okay, so he had four... He had four carries for 10 yards. One fantasy point. And he played 60% of the snaps, but he didn't... That's the got, most frustrating part. It's weird. Is that the screwed up part of the whole Mike Davis thing is the, he's playing just as much as I thought. He's just a thousand times worse than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just bizarre. It's it's very bizarre. It feels like Cordero Patterson has kind of just taken over his job, and I think he may have. Like, maybe this is just what they're going to do after the bye. Patterson's looked really good. Um, they clearly used their bye week to make Patterson the everyday player. Yeah, so I saw this from CBS's Jason Gibbs. He, he tracks, like, the snap rates and stuff. So comparing Patterson's... Um, usage to 
season long before that. So like basically what happened, what, what was different this week? So his snap rate jumped from a 40% average in the first six weeks or For whatever. Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson. So his snap rate was 40% coming into the game. It was 74 in this game. Uh, his route run, routes run as a percentage of the dropbacks. Um, prior to this game, they were 37%. In this game, it was 67%. And then his rushing share prior to this game, 37%. And in this game, it was 77%. So basically, he went from You're one breaking third. my brain with the numbers, but all the, his snaps, his routes, and his rushing all almost doubled. Yeah, it's basically he went from one-third to two-thirds um, of the usage of all the important metrics in this offense. Um, and so basically, the idea is he's now the starter. He's the guy that they're designing all these plays for in their, in their offense, and he's still producing clearly. Um, so obviously, you know, we talked about Patterson as like a potential sell-high guy. You have to get someone really good for him. But... I think with this usage bump, like he's not a sell anymore. Like you want to ride this wave. You want to he's, continue. He's he's the focal point of their offense, along with Pitts and Ridley. And then again, I yeah. just you know what um, the Mike Davis radicals. Uh, I apologize. It's yeah, false it's profit. Um, and then the other one I wanted to mention for the losers category here: the entire Panthers offense. The Sam oh Darnold God. thing is just going. It's spiraling. He's it's in a death spiral at this Unbelievable. point. Unbelievable. Sam Darnold was benched today for PJ Walker. Um I don't think he, it doesn't sound like he was benched permanently. It was just like basically they need to try and get like something They're going. They just fed up with him, which is yeah. almost worse. He's finished 16 to 25 for 111 yards with a pick. Uh DJ Moore was the only Panthers offensive skill player to hit double digit points in PPR. Um they talked about so Matt Rule talked this week about how he wanted to like re um, focus their offense and be a smash mouth run team, blah, blah, blah. The only problem is they don't have a good run team. They don't have a run game with uh, Christian McCaffrey out. Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard finished with 12 rushes for 28 yards. So this offense can't pass. It can't run. Sam Darnold is going in reverse. Uh, I don't know what to do with this offense. I mean, I, you still have to start DJ Moore, but other than that, until, um, until McCaffrey gets back, I'm not excited about what this offense can do, frankly. And he, I mean, you're still going to start Chuba Hubbard just because he's getting the volume, but like, I'm not excited about a lot of... Uh, basically, I'm not excited about this offense at all anymore. I'm barely excited about DJ Moore. And he was look, looking so amazing at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, I mean, three weeks in, I, mean, I thought the Panthers were going to be better this season. And three weeks in, I was like, oh, sick, cool. They're way better. And now Darnold, yeah, Darnold's just falling off a cliff. Yeah. While, while I'm flogging myself over Mike Davis, I'll just lump in Robbie Anderson, who, again, we were excited about his role. And in a weird way, almost similarly to the way that we kind of anticipated Brandon Ayuk to be, and Debo Samuel just took like just took the role we thought sure. Brandon Ayuk had won, and mm-hmm. actually no, Debo Samuel took it back. Robbie Anderson won this role from DJ Moore last year, and now DJ Moore took it back. But even then, Robbie Anderson, who I liked going into the season a lot, Robbie Anderson has twenty targets in the last two games. Twenty targets in the last two games. He's turned <laughs> that into twenty six yards. That is insane. That's like impossible. He has a lot, like, part of it is clearly Darnold struggling. Oh, yeah. But part of it, too, is I've seen him, I've seen Robbie Anderson with like several too, drops though. in the last couple of games. Like, he just looks like he's in his own head. Like, he's just like yeah. pressing or something. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that it's tough. I, I, at this point, I don't know if you can even start him going forward like at all, right? I, I don't think so anymore. This was a great. I mean, I get twenty. Tar- if he turned twenty targets into twenty six yards, eventually he's going to have a blow up game. Like eventually he's going to have the hundred and forty yards and two touchdowns. But it's not. Uh, it, it's just not predictable at this point. Yeah. Awful. Okay. 
more positive. That's why I drafted you award. Because sometimes your great players have games where you're like, that's why I drafted you. For the for me, it's like Mike Evans this week. Yes. Mike, uh, 76 yards, three touchdowns. Just a classic Mike Evans game. He was a wide receiver three. And he gave Tom Brady's ball away. I can't remember. Did we talk? We talked about Mike Evans when we did the the podcast a couple of weeks ago about like the scariest people to face on Monday yes. Night Football or whatever. He just missed the cut for me. He's the, so up there. He is absolutely up there for me. Like he just constantly puts these games together. Like there, there's certainly going to be like some lulls in there, like where he has one catch for eight yards and they go in different direction or whatever. But like Evans is one of the best at just putting these massive, massive like forty point games together for whatever reason. Um, is he was he the wide receiver one this week so far? Wide receiver three. Cooper Cup was wide receiver one. I'll get to Cooper Cup soon. Of course. But wait, yeah. well, wait. While we're on the Evans, though, I'm sorry. We're all over the place. This is what happens when Craig is out. We're all over the place. No, no while organization. Here, there's one more loser that Mike Evans just reminded me of. The okay. guy who gave the ball away to Mike Evans. <laughs> so Mike Evans yeah. catches Tom Brady's 600th career touchdown today. Mm-hmm. Puts the ball down. Picks the ball back up. Hands it to some random guy in the crowd who's wearing a Mike Evans jersey. And then, you know, it's kind of like baseball. If there's an important home run, they, like someone trots over and negotiates. And it's like, please give us the football back like right now. And they negotiate. Apparently the guy gets like a signed jersey and something else. And then like an auction house executive is like, that ball was probably worth $500,000. Oh my God. That is and so it's brutal. like, holy, can you imagine? <laughs> that would suck. He uh he did I did see they they gave him like a thousand dollar voucher too which is still a voucher it's still like oh my god so here's the thing so insane. Tom Brady said after the game like I'm gonna like he's I'm gonna take care of him he's it, Tom Brady's not gonna give him five hundred thousand dollars gonna for give the him ball, vouchers though. to TB12 method um I'll give him which like is the FTX worth like, its he, weight Tom Brady's gold. got the FTX commercials but like would you give the ball back in that situation. In the moment, it's like, know. oh, here, it's like very easy. Like, oh, you keep the money. But it's like, in the moment, like, there's a lot of pressure. Like, hey, Tom wants that ball. It's very I know, hard you gotta, pragmatically you gotta like, to be like, you got to have like the eye of the tiger it. if you're going to be like, no, I'm not giving you fucking, I'm not giving you fuck all. It's like, Everyone fuck in your section is going to be yeah. booing you. Like, are you going to hold, and I'm not doing you going to hold on to it. Like, I remember Brandon Jacobs uh, threw his helmet into the crowd once and a guy wouldn't give the, the helmet back and security just ripped it from him. Oh, and really? it's like if you got, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to be the guy who like hoarded the ball and then it was taken from you? I'd be, I'd have a hard time sleeping this one off. You know, like imagining that five hundred k. Oh god, you just got the thousand dollar bucks voucher, and you're like, Brutal. oh my god, wow, tough. Okay, tough stuff. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon, guys. If you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Back to that's why I drafted you. So yeah, you're Mike Evans, that's why you drafted him award. Mine this week goes to uh, DeAndre Swift for the Lions. This is exactly why I drafted this guy. This is exactly why I was super high on DeAndre Swift coming to the season. He was the RB7 coming into the week, and he is currently the, the RB1 through Sunday Night Football. Um, for this week, a, right? Not the season. Correct. Sorry. Through this week. So he's this week's RB1. So Derrick Henry didn't like, like disappear, did he? No, no. Okay, good. Although I think I did see someone say someone mentioned this on Twitter. This was like back of the napkin math or whatever, but like through two weeks or sorry, through seven weeks, Swift is actually the RB2. However, there's like a bunch of uh caveats there because some guys have only played, you know, six games or whatever. Yeah, that's completely and utterly cheating, but sure. Just tr- still, crushing your DeAndre just Swift say, agenda, but it's fine. Just say it, man. DeAndre that's Swift. That's how politicians make taxes out. about like that's how politicians make commercials about cutting taxes. And they're like, well, actually, he just <laughs> voted on a shorter tax cut than I did, but it's fine. Whatever. I feel Calculate regardless, I feel like we're losing the thread here a little bit because all DeAndre Swift does is score fantasy points. He's he's basically like Alvin Kamara light in the fact that he's so, so good in the passing game. It doesn't even really matter that he's like not really doing much as a runner. Um he has, and I saw this from J.J. Zacharyson, he has almost 100, uh, 100 more receiving yards than any other running back this season. Uh, by the way, Cordero Patterson is second in that, so go Cordero. Um, and then I also saw this from David Gattieri. He, DeAndre Swift currently leads the Lions in both rushing fantasy points and receiving fantasy points. In other words, he's quite literally the RB1 and RB1. And wide receiver one on this team. Wait, so does that mean that Allen Robinson, when I said that last week that Allen Robinson would be the third best receiver fantasy-wise on the Lions, he's actually the fourth best receiver fantasy on the Lions? What do you mean? Allen Robinson would be... Oh, so actually fifth. So like Because um, we were trying oh to explain God. how bad Allen Robinson's been this season. If oh he's on the God. Lions, he'd be behind TJ... So actually fifth, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson. I guess now you're saying DeAndre Swift. Quintez Cephas... And Amon Ross St. Brown all have more fantasy points than the Robinson. God, I completely season. forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's rough. That's rough. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, I think Swift is, uh, to kind of bring it back, it, he is a great example of why fantasy analysts and people like us are so uh, obsessive over receiving work. Like, obviously, it's people, I think, in general, know that receiving work is important in fantasy, especially in PPR and half PPR. Um, but I think he's like the case study because he's just so good in the passing game. It's the perfect storm, too, because the Lions are terrible. They're always playing from behind. And so they're always in like a pass uh, script or whatever where they're having to drop it off to him a lot and all that stuff. So if they were winning a lot of these games, it might be a different story. But um, Swift is really just paying off. He's really good. He's also looked really like what I'm saying is like he looks really dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's doing some incredible things. He had like a 70-yard screen pass um, early in the game where he like had to do like this giant like jumping pirouette to grab the ball and then he ran like 70 yards for a touchdown. Well, to the point, but to punctuate what you're saying, only nine people today had more receiving yards than, De- than DeAndre Swift. Not like running backs, like total people. DeAndre Swift had 96 receiving yards. The only people with more receiving yards than DeAndre Swift today were Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Khalif Raymond somehow. Yeah. Chris Godwin, Michael Pittman, Debo Samuel. Like, that's the whole list. DeAndre Swift had more than every other receiver. Yeah. Not to mention the rushing. 
So anyways, uh, DeAndre Swift dominating. And it's nice because it doesn't feel like a flash in the pan. Like It does feel like he's here to stay in that sense just because I don't see the Lions changing their strategy drastically. So um, it's looking like he is going to be one of the most valuable picks this year in terms of the running backs. Beautiful. Okay. The Derrick Henry award for the player you wish you had in fantasy? So... I got one for you. And this isn't like necessarily like he's dominating everything or whatever, but he was so cheap in drafts this offseason that I'm just bummed I didn't take him more. And that's Mike Kosicki from the Dolphins, who, by the way, I believe yes. he had zero points in week one. And so everyone was like, God, this guy sucks. Like they're phasing him out of their offense. And I will admit, like, there's probably something to do with the fact that the Dolphins have been so injured at the receiver position. That's like why he's been well, able to will thrive Fuller so much. Disappeared. Will Fuller's on IR. Um, uh, Devontae Parker's been hurt. Preston Williams has been hurt. However, going forward, even if these guys get back, I don't know if they're going to necessarily change Gesicki's role all that much because he has a clear, very clear chemistry with Tua, and he's been very dynamic. Like he's good in the red zone. He had he he went up and uh, mossed a guy in the end zone today. Um, he was uh, he caught seven passes for eighty five yards and a touchdown this week. Uh, he had eight catches for one hundred and fifteen yards last week. He's he is, and this is what we talk about all the time. He's basically a receiver who is designated a tight end because I think he's lined up like six total snaps or something like that in line as a true tight end this season. Um, so I don't know. He's just a guy that I think has been underrated throughout this whole process, the preseason and then the early part of this season. But he is just going off. Um, he's going to be. I think he's like a clear tier two guy. He's not necessarily going to be like a Waller, Kelsey. Um, you know, Andrews Pitts type player, but I think right there in the second tier, he's he's right there with those guys. I mean, if you could redo your dream draft, if you look back in August, you're like, what's well, the perfect draft? You probably end up with Mike Kosicki, don't you? Yeah, because if, uh, well, that's a good question. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely like a great, great value at the tight end position. If you want to punt on tight end until the very end, whatever, whatever round he went in, um, it was later. It was like, he was going like 110, basically. Yeah, you could get some, you could just hammer like receivers earlier on because like, yeah, like I think at this point, you know, it was either get one of the top tier studs or wait. And some of the guys you waited on are certainly not working about working out, but Gasicki is paying off like really, really well. Gasicki's the guy every year you try to land. And if you got Gasicki, mm-hmm. congratulations. But while we're talking about good dolphins, I have to shout out um, the most infuriating one. Just freaking Miles Gaskin, man. It's like, where is this going? It's like, I feel like I'm in a toxic relationship. It's like, I I think it's going to be good. It's awful. Things going to be awful. And then it's like, whoa, you're pulling me back in. How am I back? And then it's awful again. I'm like, what was I thinking? And then it's amazing. And I'm like, you know what? Where, what, what are we miles? And just put that in (laughs) in like numbers. Week four, miles Gaskin was the RB 77, which is like impossible. There's 32 teams. How are you the RB 77 in a week? And then week five, he was the RB3. And then in week six, he was the RB48. 48. And then this week, he was the RB4. How so is does that this possible? Mean we, does this mean we sit up next week and then play him the week after? Yeah, he's is like the San Francisco hold? Giants. Just he wins the, the championship like every other year for like four years in a row. Like, I don't understand how this is happening. I, uh, we're we're going to put science, we're going to put our best like scientists on the matter. But I don't well, know. Part of, the reason, just, part of the reason this did happen, I don't know if this was. The only reason, and I and who knows, maybe Gaskin would have gone off regardless. But Malcolm Brown left partway, like early on in the game, with an injury. So that kind of paved the way for Gaskin to be to have a bigger role in the game. So going forward, like I'm not sure 
his role is going to maintain necessarily. Yeah, look, uh, I had the under on Miles and Ga- Miles Gaskin rushing yards because he had twelve carries in the previous three games. He had fifteen today. Yeah. So you know, sure, Good stuff. whatever. Good stuff. Um, something better than Miles Gaskin. I'm going to give the literally making history award to Cooper Cup. <laughs> yeah, Cooper Cup. Because I was going to give him week. the Derrick Henry player you wish you had. Cooper Cup has surpassed the player you wish you had. Cooper Cup. I couldn't believe this stat. Are you ready, DK? I'm ready. Cooper Cup has the most fantasy points through seven games for any wide receiver ever. Is that good? Jesus. Like, like, like the, under the radar, right? Like, right. like that's an under the radar stat. You heard about Jermar Chase all day. PPR, half PPR, whatever scoring you want. Cooper Cup has the best start to a receiver to a season for any receiver through seven games. Man. Literally more than Randy Moss in 2007. It doesn't matter. It, it, it blew my mind. And the NFL stats, the other one they have is Cup is the first player in the Super Bowl era to have 800 yards and nine touchdowns in his first seven games. It doesn't even feel like it. Uh, it's tough because like half of, half, part of me is like, okay, clearly he's going to regress and, not, and things are not going to continue at this rate and he's not going to keep catching. The rate of the literally best season ever for receiver? That <laughs> yeah, rate? Yeah, that one? That, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Um, but also it doesn't feel like this is something we talked about. It doesn't feel like anything he's doing is all that hard. Like, you know what I mean? He's not like fighting through three tackles to get his yardage or whatever. He's like wide open every play. It looks easy. Yeah. It's a good, really good point. (laughs) It's like Stafford's just hitting him wide open down the field six times a game. Uh, they're drawing up these plays where they get these walk-in touchdowns every week. Um, so it's like part of me is also like, yeah, this is clearly repeatable and it's going to continue and he's going to score whatever it is, 20 something touchdowns this year. I think um, the craziest thing about Cooper Cup is that he's six foot two, but he moves like he's five foot ten. Oh, he's so quick. He's so quick. It's crazy. Um, yeah, he made some guy, he like juked the crap out of some defensive back today to pick up a first down. Uh, he's got that short area quickness that really pays off in terms of like picking up extra yards of the catch, obviously as a route runner. Um, and then they use it's it's honestly kind of like Devonte Adams the way that they use him in the red zone too. Um, they ran him on like uh, I forget what it, I forget what it's called, but like they streaked him across the the formation right before the play. Um, and you know, obviously that and and Stafford just hit him, and it was like the easiest touchdown ever. It's like this is the kind of thing you see Devonte Adams doing like every week. Um, so Devonte Adams is the number two receiver. There and you Adams go. Is, and Cup is one, and Jamar freaking Chase, I believe, is number three. Unbelievable. Holy crap. Okay. Well, that's a really appropriate note because since Craig is not here to, to end on a Cooper Cup, so it's Craig's unofficial fan uh, runs the fan club. I don't know. It's really late. My brain's petering out of me. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long Prop day. update real quick. We did awful on the props this week. Just just absolutely deplorable performance. Three out of, three out of eight. Wasn't our yeah. best showing. We didn't do nine because with the Sterling Shepard one was a push. He was injured. He injured. He was injured after we made the after we talked about him, and he did not play. So that was push. But three out of nine, or three out of eight, not great. We'll try and bounce back next week. Um, did you hit your long shot? No. Stafford did not throw a pick. Oh well. Well, whoops. Okay. Burn book. Just to, I think it's Robbie Anderson for the burn book. I I'm in favor of that. I don't. He, the 26 targets for 20 yards thing. 20, like, no, it's 20 targets for 26 yards. But 20, still, it's, 20 targets for 20. That's incredible. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Uh, I think that alone is just like worth throwing him in there. Are you, I mean, uh, at this point, like, does it matter? Cause you're not going to start him going forward, right? No, but he's burned. Like, that's it. Yeah. 
This way, they, it keeps you from talking yourself burn. into it again. Yeah. Okay. All right. Robbie Anderson, you're in the burn book. That's fair enough. All right. That's all we got. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Mike, for producing this episode. Thank you, Lorne. Thank you, Cake. Love Cake. Okay. I will be doing, also, I'll be doing Green Room after Monday Night Football. DK and I will be doing it. Seahawks are playing the Saints. So after the game, you can listen to us live on Green Room. You can actually hop up on the stage and talk to us, not just comment in the chat, but like you can actually talk to us about the game. It's fun. It's on the Green Room app. You can download it. We'll be tweeting it right after the game goes live, or right after the game ends on Monday Night Football. We'll be live. Check that out. And then, yeah, we'll get waivers to you guys later this week. And we'll see if Craig comes back or good luck to Craig on that new get back guy opportunity. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>